You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Ryan Mittal and DCC have disclosed sustaining cyber attacks. The U.S. government is looking at airliner cyber vulnerabilities. Simjacker is real, but recent phones seem unaffected. An update on the RCMP data misappropriation case. German police raid a bulletproof host. Gnostic players may be back. And someone is sending phishing snail mail that claims the British crown needs your help to ease the economic fallout of Brexit. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, September 30th, 2019. In two apparently unrelated incidents, Rhine Metall and Defense Construction Canada sustained attacks on their IT infrastructure. In Rhine Metall's case, the attack, whose precise nature the company didn't specify, disrupted automotive production in Brazil, Mexico, and the U.S., Defense Construction Canada has been able to maintain operations in the face of what the Ottawa Sun reports may have been a ransomware attack. The U.S. government is giving fresh impetus to a program that would look for cyber vulnerabilities in commercial aircraft. The program is led by the Department of Homeland Security, with participation by the Departments of Transportation and Defense. DHS had acquired a used Boeing 757 airliner back in 2016, and used it to research potential vulnerabilities. The program had slowed down in the wake of controversies over the way some of the initial findings were disclosed, but DHS now intends to resume the work. The U.S. Air Force is also conducting its own complementary review of commercial aircraft cybersecurity. That research will address flight systems. Airline hacks have tended to hit reservation systems for the usual criminal reasons. The data stolen from such systems can be monetized. But this research program will look for ways in which aircraft safety and availability could be compromised. The Air Force flies some aircraft that are basically commercial models, and there's considerable overlap between military and civilian avionics, which explains the service's interest. Air Force Assistant Secretary for Acquisition Technology and Logistics Roper told the Wall Street Journal, quote, If we don't probe first, our adversaries will. We've been a little complacent in not trying to attack all parts of the airplane. End quote. 
Researchers at SR Labs say they've developed a way of determining whether devices are vulnerable to SimJacker and similar exploits. These are the ones Adaptive Mobile recently warned about, in which an attacker could pwn your phone by sending you an SMS message. They've also run their checks against a representative sample of susceptible devices. SimJacker and the related WIB attack could apparently be used against about 9% of Android and iOS devices, SR Labs concludes. That's still a lot of phones, given that there are some 7 billion phones kicking around these days. But SR Labs thinks the likelihood you'll be affected is still pretty low. And the good news is that none of the more recent models seem to be in danger. Anonymous sources have told the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation that the raid on Mr. Cameron Ortis's Ottawa condo turned up dozens of encrypted devices that police may not be able to break. Mr. Ortis is the RCMP intelligence director, who's been arrested on charges related to alleged violations of the Information Security Act. Reporters say that he may have intended to pass sensitive information to either organized crime groups, like the Sinaloa cartel, or to unspecified foreign governments. The CBC does note that encryption isn't illegal, but that it does make the investigators' lives more difficult. They also found at least one interesting piece of paper in Mr. Ortis's quarters, a handwritten note that says, The Project, which words were underlined and followed with, John Lemon's blog removing your PDF metadata. The blog post mentioned offers a step-by-step guide to removing metadata from a PDF. The CBC says that a scan of some of Mr. Ortis's accessible devices indicated that between September 8th and 9th, some 25 documents or more had been processed and sanitized to remove identifying information. The RCMP announced Mr. Ortis's arrest on September 13th, so the PDFs were scrubbed less than a week before he was taken into custody. Mr. Ortis's bail hearing is set for this Friday. In other news of crime and punishment, police in the German Land of Rheinfels have raided and shut down a bulletproof hosting data center in Trabben-Trabach, the AP reports. The action crossed both Land and international boundaries, with arrests near Frankfurt and other police action in the Netherlands, Luxembourg and Poland. The data center, located in a surplus NATO facility acquired by a Dutch national in 2013, is thought to have been involved in both contraband markets and in the 2016 distributed denial-of-service attack on Deutsche Telekom. Hosting contraband trading websites isn't a crime under German law, at least provided you don't really know that's what the sites are up to. But the authorities think the people running the show at Traben Trabach knew perfectly well what was going on, and they themselves were mobbed up. Allegedly, we hasten to add. Allegedly. Gnostic players may be back. Online game company Zynga disclosed a breach on September 12th, and now the Hacker News says that Gnostic players claims that he or she or they has counted coup against Zynga, attaining access to some 218 million Words with Friends accounts. Gnostic players is neither a gray hat nor a gadfly. Earlier this year, they gained notoriety for offering 747 million records culled from 24 popular sites. And finally, thanks to Mr. Paul Ridden of Skillweb, a firm in the UK that provides a range of business services. He shared an interesting little item that appeared in his mailbox with those of us who hang around LinkedIn. A snail mail letter purporting to be from Her Majesty's household asks recipients to help Queen Elizabeth save Britain's economy from Brexit, with Bitcoin, of course. 
If you get one of these, you'll no doubt want to hop to it, because in exchange for your patriotic or nostalgic or anglophilic gesture, you'll get your very own self a membership of the Royal Warrant Holders Association. We consulted our palace desk, and they tell us that royal warrants are actually a thing, or more properly, they're actually things, things by which purveyors of goods and services to the royal family might be recognized. For example, Bluebird Buses and Fortnum and Mason Groceries have got the royal warrant. So does Schweppes. No surprises there, but so does Samsung. Thus, if Her Majesty actually listened to the Cyberwire, who knows? We might qualify for a royal warrant. But on the other hand, the palace desk tells us not to get our hopes up, especially inasmuch as we're only Americans, poor things. And also because the editors over the years have developed ways about them that, well... Just aren't right. Alas, no one seems to have taken Her Majesty up on the call for help, so we may never know if easing the pain of Brexit would earn a royal warrant. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Malek Ben Salem. She's the senior R&D manager for security at Accenture Labs. Malek, it's great to have you back. Um, I wanted to highlight some of the work that you and your team are doing there at Accenture, your cyber threat group. Uh, highlighting uh, some of the factors that are involved with uh, security. What can you share with us today? Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, so Accenture's iDefense Group, which is our threat intelligence uh, group, has published its annual cyber threat report, and it highlights five different threat factors uh, that are influencing the, the cyber threat landscape. Um, the first of those factors are compromising geopolitics, and new threats that emerge from disinformation and technology evolution. Um, so we know, obviously, disinformation uh, has been a concern, and many entities continue to warn of cyber threats related to upcoming elections. What our analysts noted is that many of the threat factors are focusing on other types of global, political, and geopolitical events. Uh, such as international summits, you know, evolving international tensions and sporting events like the Olympics, etc. So what are some of the other factors you're tracking? The second factor is how cyber criminals are adapting and working together 
diversifying their strategies and looking more like states. So despite the, the high-profile law enforcement actions that we've seen against criminal communities and syndicates in 2018, the ability of threat factors to remain operational shows an increase in maturity and resilience of criminal networks. This has been noticed in 2019. Hmm. Uh, our analysis indicates that conventional cybercrime and financially motivated targeted attacks will continue to pose a significant threat for users and, and businesses. However, the criminal operations will likely continue to shift their tactics to reduce risks of detection and disruption. Another trend that our analysts have noticed was that localized underground economies continue to emerge and grow in non-English speaking countries, such as China and Brazil. Uh, and they tend to target their domestic populations due to familiarity with their own societies and cultures. The third thing we've noticed is the selling and buying of direct access to networks for ransomware delivery, rather than carrying out advanced intrusions. So there has been a marked increase in the sale of remote access to compromised networks and to commodity malware to conduct intrusions for financial gain on underground forums and marketplaces. The, grouping all of these trends, we, um, we expect that cyber criminals will, will work together more and more, more like, you know, as I mentioned, more like in communities and syndicates. Uh, and more like states. Yeah, it's interesting that this to follow this trend, I think, that uh, the availability of tools continues to expand, uh, which seems to make it easier for these folks to cooperate and collaborate. Exactly. So the commoditization of these tools and, and the markets that are being uh, created to sell and buy these tools. Yeah, it, it can't help wondering if... Uh, if that requires uh, more collaboration on uh, the good guys' side to, uh, <laughs> to fight this, you know? Absolutely. Well, we definitely not need more collaboration on the defensive side. Yeah. What we're noticing more recently is that some of these actors actually may have hybrid motives, whether financial, ideological, uh, or political. Uh, for instance, uh, We've seen that some ransomware appears to have been deployed to destroy information on a target rather than to efficiently make money. An example of this is the Goga ransomware that paralyzed a Scandinavian aluminum company in March 2019. It involved a variant that made it difficult to pay the ransom, which suggests that its real target may have been the victim company's share price and not, um, you know, financial gain. Hmm. The fourth factor is that improved ecosystem hygiene is pushing threats to the supply chain, turning friends into frenemies. Hmm. So as companies are improving their, uh, you know, security posture, and they are, as they are adopting the traditional industry cyber threat countermeasures, this is making it difficult for uh, cyber actors to target them directly, and uh, the easier way to, to attack them becomes through you know, their partners or their uh, vendors. And then the final factor 
is the hardware vulnerabilities like Meltdown and Spectre that were uh, initially discovered in early 2018. Many uh, cloud providers have deployed countermeasures to those uh, vulnerabilities, which consisted in slowing down the, the processors. However, um, businesses, based on their size, may decide that it makes more sense for them to own uh, or to build on-prem clouds in order to have more control about whether those countermeasures should be deployed or not because we know that those updates slow down the processor. If certain companies, bigger companies, have higher workloads, they may want to consider building their own on-prem cloud instead of uh, you know, relying on the, the more conventional clouds to run their workloads. Now, I mean, looking at this, this list of five elements, I mean, is, is there a common thread throughout them? Is there... It's sort of a take-home message that uh, folks should be thinking of? Uh, the, the one big message is that the cyber threat landscapes continues to evolve. Uh, so companies have to be resilient and have to um, continue uh, working with their cyber threat intelligence groups to update their uh, you know, security mitigation strategies. Well, Malek Ben Salem, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback 
to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. (laughs) 